Welcome back to Unlimited Color Abroad. I'm your host, Ange Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Melogia, who is a musician from Puerto Rico, La Isla de Encanto, the Enchanted Island, as they say. She discusses what it was like to grow up in Puerto Rico, her music career, and why she feels that she is currently living abroad in the U.S., even though technically Puerto Rico is a part of the U.S. I think it's a very interesting take that I happen to agree with. And she also discusses what it was like to deal with Hurricane Maria since she was there while it happened. And she gives us some insight on what it's like to just persevere through personal hardships that she went through and how that has shaped her into the musician and person that she is now. Hope you enjoy. This is In Living Color, Abroad. Hello, Abroad. How you doing? I am good. How are you, Angel? Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you. And I, I love how you said the Spanish. Uh, my Spanish, Angel. That's what everyone calls me here. It's been weird getting used to growing up. Everyone just called me Angel, so I have to respond to Angel all the time now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I gotta get used to that. All right, so let's get right to it. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Melogia. I, I'm, I'm a performer. I'm a singer. I'm a all-around artist. Um, I'm a tattoo artist, also sculptor, composer. I just, um, I've just been a creative, and I've made a living my whole life out of art. You know, so mm-hmm. a little of my background is I, I sang with Cultura Profetica, and I, I traveled with them for three years. I've had my project for almost 10 years. I play the guitar. I have a band. Uh, um, I'm recording the album right now. Uh, I lived, I studied in the United States. I studied music in Berkeley College of Music in Boston, and then I moved back to Puerto Rico. And I lived in Puerto Rico for 10 years, and I made a career there. But then when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, I... Um, I had to move away. I was displaced. I um, had to give away my apartment, give away all my furniture, and I had to start over. And um, I moved to Philadelphia. I lived in Philadelphia for seven months. I lived in New York for seven months. And now I finally found a home in Los Angeles, and now I'm based out of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds like musicians got to do what they got to do, right? That definitely sounds like, (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. For for those that are listening, um, I went, she said, which for those that don't know, is uh, probably the most famous Latin reggae band and just very famous Latin band around the world. And I went to an Afro-Latino festival in New York City, I believe it was 2017, with a friend of mine, and I was there just enjoying. I went there only for cultura, <laughs> but I was there, and I like I, you were like doing vocals for them. You and I, I don't know the name of your uh, the other vocalist in the band at the time, but you guys were doing vocals, right. and I was like, man, it's like really fucking good vocals. You help, you know, making sure that you know <laughs> Willie sounds good. The whole it sounds full, you know. And then like after the show is yeah. over, obviously you try to like meet the musicians or whatever, like try to meet Willie. So I met the guitarist. And I actually met you, which is the funniest thing, and and, and the other singer. And we got a picture. I was, so it's kind of crazy how full circle that's coming. And now you're on my podcast. So that's kind of... <laughs> that's kind that's of ins- crazy. Yeah, it's oh, kind of, I got to say that picture. It's kind of insane. It really is insane. But, um, but yes. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about uh, Puerto Rico. So you were born and raised in Puerto Rico, correct? Yes, born uh, and raised. All right. So tell me, give, just give us some a little insight on what it's like to grow up in Puerto Rico. 
growing up in Puerto Rico, I had a very uh, peculiar childhood because um, I was brought up between two cultures in Puerto Rico. My mom's from Puerto Rico, but my dad's actually black from Philadelphia. Mm. And uh, he moved to Puerto Rico 30 years ago and started his own business. So um, I was always bilingual. Uh, sometimes the kids will call us, you know, los americanos, the American family. <laughs> but we really weren't, you know. We were very, we were very boricua. We just had that upbringing. That was my father, and he really was the one who got me into music, and and you know, and my mother too. But he really got me into soul and R and B and funk and all that stuff. And growing up in Puerto Rico was beautiful. It was just very, this very naturey. You know, you kind of become a wild child because I was. I was living in the in the in the country mostly and I had a river behind my house and I would just like I was very wild, you know, I would just go barefoot and go and go to the my backyard and and go to the forest behind my house, go to the river and just get really muddy and dirty and then come back home. <laughs> and, uh, that, you know, so your parents appreciated that, your muddy feet all over the house, but <laughs> definitely not, yeah. My but uh that's just how we were and um grew up riding horses and doing all that good stuff so so yeah moving to the city uh, it was really was hard it was very different for me i'm not a city person at all where in puerto um, rico did you grow up what part of puerto rico i grew up in caguas and, and where is that exactly caguas is half an hour away from san juan to the south so oh, okay. it's, a, it's like the perfect in between between rural and country mm. it's very country but at the same time it has a little bit of you know the rules so you can move around pretty easily between both worlds it's gorgeous i love caguas so tell, so you mentioned the whole like you grew up in two cultures right your dad was that your dad is black and your mom's puerto rican so what did you mm-hmm. growing up what did you uh you just said your friends called you americanos right <laughs> but yeah. what were the attitudes in your opinion of like or like today you can compare from then and now to americans or the u.s i would say what would you say are the oh, attitudes yeah. of puerto ricans towards the U.S. Oh wow, that was interesting because I—I'll um, tell you a story just so you can have an idea. Mm-hmm. I grew up in an elementary school that was a Montessori school for, um, and most of the parents that would put their kids there were all revolutionaries. They <laughs> were—they mm. were, they were all activists for in the independence of Puerto Rico. A lot of the the parents that would put their kids in this school, and the the women who started this school were also independentistas, which is, you know, part of the political party mm-hmm. that wants Puerto Rico to be independent. So imagine me growing up in this place where these kids were also saying like Yankees, they didn't like Americans. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They grew up listening to their parents, you know, talking, not, not being very positive about America. And here I am talking English, you know, yeah. with no accent. And feeling really, really weird about it because I, I did understand. I don't know. I was just way too young. Mm-hmm. But um, that just gives you an idea. Dif- different Puerto Ricans feel very different ways about America. Some Puerto Ricans want to become a state, so mm-hmm. they love America. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they they idolize America like it's their savior, mm-hmm. which I, it's, I think is a total extreme that I don't agree with. And then you have other people that hate America, that grew up in the independentista mentality, and they don't, and, and they speak very negatively of Americans, which I don't think is good either. You know, it's just two mm-hmm. extremes. And then you have people in the middle who would like Puerto Rico to stay, to stay at a colony or a commonwealth or whatever you want to yeah. call. It. 
Got you, got you. And yeah. how old were you when you moved yeah. to the States? Um, I moved to the States when I was 18. I went to, uh, I went to college. To Berkeley, I went to right Boston. Um, but I was coming to Philadelphia every every year. Like in the summer, I would come visit my family in Philadelphia here and there. But I officially moved to the States um, 2005 to go to college. Got and then it. I came back to Puerto Rico after I finished college 2008. Gotcha. And, and so t- tell me about that. Yeah. Like you said, you were, so you, as a child, you were going back and forth between Philadelphia and Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. So how was that? Like you, you, <laughs> so how was that? Like you spending time in Philadelphia where your dad's out of the family and then you go and back to Puerto Rico. Do you like, do like a comparing contrast? Like, oh, I like it here more. Like, how did you, I can't even imagine as a kid. How, how was that? That was very interesting because I would go to Philly and I would come back to Puerto Rico with my braids, you know, with my braids done, <laughs> listening, listening to all the new R&B stuff that nobody knew about in Puerto Rico. And people would look at me like, what the hell are you listening to? And I'm like, what the hell? You don't know what this is? It's R&B, bro. Like, you don't know what Destiny's Child is? It's great. You know, you don't know DLC? They're like, no, what is that? And I would be wearing my braids and I would, I, I never, I'll never forget, I was the only one in my school that would wear braids. And um, in seventh grade... I'll never forget that a, that a teacher singled me out and she made me stand up in front of the class and tell me that what I was doing to my hair was not appropriate. Oof, and Jesus. it was something that people did on the streets. Um, because in Puerto Rico, the guys, that, the guys who would put their braids on were, you know, people that were from the ghetto, mm-hmm. from the projects that would listen to hip hop or reggaeton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for a lot of these older Puerto Ricans that didn't understand anything or where, where braids come from or the cult, the cultural you know where mm-hmm. it comes from period mm-hmm. they would just relate it to something bad so she singled me out in front of everybody and told me to take them off and i had to be like no i'm not taking them off this is who i am and you have to respect that wow and what was the response to that oh she uh <laughs> that was it was pretty bad. <laughs> you a rebel. <laughs> I was I was always a rebel, and then she saw me the next week, and I never took him off. And she ran down the hallway. She's like, "You still got these braids on?" I'm like, "Yes, I do. I'm not gonna take them off." <laughs> <laughs> I never took them off. Oh man! So it was very like I feel. I always felt like, you know, I was very Puerto Rican when I was in Puerto Rico. I was very black when I was in Philadelphia, but. um Puerto Ricans who knew me as a Puerto Rican didn't really understand that I was also black. And people in Philadelphia didn't really also understand wow. that I was very Puerto Rican. That, I, it was just weird. It was is, just a weird in-between. Yeah, like, and but obviously you embrace both cultures, right? Because obviously it's part, of your, it's part of your family, right? Your heritage. But it wasn't until I grew up that I really, really embraced the music of Puerto Rico. Because I was surrounded by it all the time, and I was sick of it. <laughs> I, I don't think I appreciated it. I, so I was always around reggaeton. I was always around salsa. I was uh-huh. always around merengue, and I was just—I was so sick of it. And uh, so I would always listen to soul music when I was in Puerto Rico. But then when I went to the states, and when I was away from Puerto Rico for so long, and I missed it so long uh, for you know, yeah, so much. That's when I really started listening to my music and understanding that this is who I am. This is what makes me different. And I started owning owning it, you know, and studying it and practicing it. So let's talk about that, right? Like, obviously, your craft being, you know, overall artist, but, you know, a, a musician and singer. Um, how would you, how did you go about, like, you know, musically, like, to make your sound or the sound that you wanted to either, you know, that resonated with you, like you said, soul, music, R&B. How did you... 
how do you find your sound within that? Given that you said you grew up, even though you didn't appreciate at the time, like, you know, the Puerto, Rico, Puerto Rican, like, music or whatever, you know, being the salsa, reggaeton, whatever the case may be, how did you yeah. mold that into you as an artist? Jesus. It's taken a long time. I think that's been, like, the, my existential question as a musician. <laughs> Don't we all have that? <laughs> that's been, yeah. That has been the question. Yeah. Um, do you know, you know Danny Rivera? I'm not familiar. Who's Danny Rivera? Who's that? Daniel Rivera is one of the biggest vocal legends in Puerto Rico right okay. now, and he's still alive. He's a he's a legacy. He's he's the greatest. He's one of the greatest. Period. And I had the fortune of meeting him and becoming, you know, somehow somewhat of an apprentice. You know, he kind of mm-hmm. took me in, and and he was my mentor kind. Of, and he would he would call me to come over to his house and play the guitar for him while he was having his coffee, and he would you know give me oh, some wow. feedback and all that stuff. That was amazing. And I'll never forget one day when I, I sang my music to him. And he was like, wow, I think, because I was singing in Spanish, but I, I I was singing Puerto Rican music, but with a very soulful mm-hmm. flavor. Like, And, you know, and he told me, you know what, Patricia, there's been a lot of Puerto Ricans and Latin people that want to do R&B. Everybody's fascinated. They're fascinated with soul. And they, but it's, they sound, they don't, they, you know, it's like you're trying to, take something that's not yours really and um uh, i think that's what that's what makes you very different because i hear you sing these puerto rican so- songs but you sing them with 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 a flavor that that nope i've never heard anybody sing and mm-hmm. it's very original and it doesn't sound bad it doesn't sound wannabe it just sounds like you mm-hmm. um and I think I think you should focus on studying more Puerto Rican music and just singing it with your heart, and and that's where that's where your sound is gonna come from, you know, because everything, all of your influences come through, even if you're singing in Spanish. So I I started um just writing my own music in Spanish, and I just I made it a thing to just write in Spanish, mm. but but the arrangements and just and and I made it very like. I, I took influences from salsa and from boleros. Actually, mm. I think what I did was I took boleros, and I and I made it a little bit more soulful. Interesting. And, and then I, yeah, and then I started writing in that way. All right, so you're a musician at Berkeley. You graduate from Berkeley, and then you move back to Puerto Rico. Yes. Why? I um, I went through an abusive relationship. It was a very verbally abusive it's what's it was starting to get a little bit confrontational to the point where i was a little afraid of like losing myself and for it to get worse Mm. so just the way he treated me was very degrading and just like not very respectful i felt like he put me down a lot and i i lost a lot of my spirit in those two years i was very depressed i was at very low self-esteem and I just felt like the only thing that was going to heal me was getting away from him and going back home. Mm. So, so that's what made me like, I, I didn't, I didn't say goodbye. Nobody knew where I went. I just disappeared one day. Nobody Whoa. knew where I was. And I just went back to Puerto Rico and I didn't look back. I didn't call. Um, <clears throat> and I, uh, I was depressed for many months in, in, a, in my room. I was just isolated. I didn't make any friends. I didn't go out. A lot of my friends from high school, they had moved on with their lives, and I, I just had to, you know, start from zero again in my own home in Puerto Rico because wow. I had been away from five for five years. So in those months that I was locked in the room, I um, 
my best friend just said, you know, instead of being depressed, why don't you just, you've always wanted to learn the guitar. Why don't you just pick up the guitar and, and learn? And so that's what I did. I picked up the guitar and I learned, I watched YouTube all day and I practiced Hmm. for four, five hours. And I, that's when I started writing my own music. Um, wow. And probably the best thing that ever happened to me, that, that really bad relationship actually made me start writing music. And the first song I wrote was about, uh, domestic abuse. Wow. That's crazy. So, I mean, I mean, that's that's such a, like like a great message right for people is like even at your lowest lows something yes. can blossom out of that right like something like you said you you were creative to begin with so then it's like yeah let me let me be even more into my creative juices now and get something going you know and start composing or whatever the case may be wow yeah. so so you're in Puerto Absolutely. Rico you start writing music and, and maybe this this might not be in this in the same um timeline but when did you start when did you get in contact with Cultura Profetica when did that happen wow Okay, so that was way after. Okay. <laughs> you know, that was like five years after I came out of my dark place. I started playing around my guitar, uh, doing songwriting sessions, and just I just started singing around, and, and the words started, get, you know, getting out. And um, Cultura, a couple of my friends from Berkeley came back to Puerto Rico, um, people that I knew, and they invited me to do a show, an, an Erica Badu show, mm. at, at La Respuesta. And <laughs> that, I remember, this is a good friend of mine, he told my friends, oh, there's actually a soul singer in Puerto Rico that I know. And they were like, hell, what? No way. <laughs> there's no soul singers in Puerto Rico. <laughs> no, no, really, she can do Erica Badu very well. And they're like, nah, no way. I have never seen a soul singer in Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he introduced me and uh, they were like, wow. And they were blown away and they put me on the show. Like, I, I they were already set to go, but they really, really need another vocalist. So I kind of came in last minute and they put me in and we did a, a great show and turns out that they were they were really good friends with Wheelie oh, okay. um, from Cultura and they invited Willie to come up and sing a song with us and that's how I met Willie. And for those of that know, sorry, Willie Rodriguez, same last name as mine, no relation. <laughs> he is the lead singer of Cultura Profetica. He's the main guy. But yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, that's when I met him. Mm-hmm. And that's from the first time he heard from me. But then after that, I think it was like three, four years later, you know, I kept doing more things with my career. A lot of the background vocalists that Cultura worked with uh, recommended me because they, they had heard from me. And so when I came in to the uh, audition slash, you know, uh, rehearsal, they wanted me to rehearse for this Bob Marley show and they wanted to see if I did well. They were like, "Oh yeah, I remember you." And and then <laughs> from then on, they just they were just testing me to see if I did a good job at the Bob Marley show because they usually do a Bob Marley uh, cover show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just gonna do that gig, and after that, they liked it so much that they invited me to sing with them, and that was that. And and, I, and, and I mean, I mean, let, I mean, let's talk about that. You're saying that's that, right? I, and I get that. You're, you you have your own <laughs> projects and stuff like that. But you know, for those that are familiar with the Prophetic guys, they're re- they're a really popular band. So when they when they said, "Yeah, we want you yeah. to sing with us," what was going through your mind at that moment? Were you like super excited? Were you like, "All right, there's just another gig." Like, what, what was going through your mind? Oh, it was great. You know, they they had been my favorite band for my whole 
you know, teenage wow. high school, you know, really? so it was, yeah, they, That's they crazy. were, you can't deny that Cultura has been an incredible influence in Puerto Rican music and mm-hmm. in reggae and mm-hmm. Latin reggae period. So I was very honored that they invited me to come and to join them. Um, and I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot. And do you have a sh- do you have like a show or city in like that resonated with you? Like, man, that was the best one yet. Do you have one that comes to mind? A city? Like a city touring with them? Like you know, like that you like? Uh, wow, that energy was just like no other. Brazil. Really? Uh, what you were Rio? We were in Rio and we went to Sao Paulo. Okay, and just yeah. both of those were just like the energy was insane. It wasn't, yeah, it was insane. And we were all goofy happy because we had never been there. So we definitely did a lot of tour- tourism when we were there. But I really don't know if I if, if I have a favorite city. Every city was so unique. Mm. Um, but Rio, like the music and touring with Nati Roots, which Nat- Nati Roots is the most amazing reggae band in Brazil that I know of. Mm. And they, they took us in and they we opened up for them so wow. they were great yeah and cultura was amazing to me like they really nurtured me they let me sing my own song at the end of the show like i would sing a song by myself so what, what how would you compare performing and just doing like your craft in the states compared to puerto rico how would you compare those two Doing my craft in the States and in Puerto Rico. Okay, that's a good question. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, wow, it's, oh, man, it's very, very different. I'm I'm still, I'm so happy that I moved to the States after Maria and Reggaeton was at the top of the charts. I'm so happy because... <laughs> It opened up. When I moved here, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, I got to start writing all over again in English. You know, after Mm -hmm. all this music I've done in Spanish and now, uh, you know, because when I moved to Puerto Rico, most of my music was in English because I was in -hmm. in the States before that. So I had and everybody in Puerto Rico was like, no, we want music in Spanish. So I had to write music in Spanish now. So now that I moved to the States, now I have to sing. I thought that I had to start. And there were like no patricia we love spanish music reggaeton's like popping right now we we want that i was like really and i I just didn't feel like it was the same kind of uh spanish music wasn't as welcomed in the states 10 years ago when i was in college as it is now so i'm kind of happy that i can still sing my music in spanish and people really love it even though they don't understand it (laughs) i don't know we're just saying it sounds great Yes, yeah. That's all right. So, that's awesome. So take me, uh, right? So you mentioned obviously Maria, right? So that's everyone is aware of Hurricane Maria, but you lived it, like you were there. So just to, I know um, if if you don't want to talk about that, that's that's okay. But you know, if Maria, you want to Maria. give us some context of like what was actually going on on the ground, like before, right before it happened, the after, like you can take us a little bit, a little bit through that. Sure. We had no idea how serious Maria was going to be. Absolutely no clue. We had been through hurricanes before. We just thought that we were just going to get through it and we were just going to have barbecues so the meat wouldn't go bad the next day or something like that. You know, we would mm-hmm. just, we would do that, play, 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 play board games and wait till the electricity came back as we usually do. We had no idea that Maria was going to change our lives forever. 
and it wasn't until I had start I started watching videos of the islands that Maria had already gone through that they were destroyed. Um, that I understood, like, okay, this is really, really dangerous. So when Maria came, we had a cement house. So it's, this is something like the Three Little Pigs. If your house was made out of straw or made out of wood, yeah, you yeah. were you were in trouble. Uh, if your house was made of cement, then you were probably going to be fine. But even our house, um, Angel, was shaking. Wow. Like... It was shaking like as if uh, un terremoto, uh, uh, earthquake, earthquake was happening. Yeah. It made no sense. That's how strong it was. Uh, wow. I had never been so scared ever. I had never been. It was really scary. <laughs> Damn. It was scary. Um, but we got through it. It wasn't the aftermath math was, was the problem. What was worse mm-hmm. is the next day. Uh, there were no leaves. All the trees were down. There were there was no color. It was the first time I had ever seen Puerto Rico with no green. Wow. There was no green anywhere. It was just brown and deserted and just just it was horrible. And my 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 Caguas looked like a, an atomic bomb had had exploded in Caguas. I started driving around uh, just to see the damage and everything. Everything was on the ground absolutely everything Jesus. so that's when it hit me like what now what is going to happen and then when people started going crazy for gas and it was you know all mm-hmm. those lines 12 hours I had to do an, a 12 hour line to get gas I had to wake up at 12am oh go God. to the gas station at 1am and fall asleep in the line because there was already a line uh, are you serious no I'm not kidding oh I had to God. fall asleep sleep um and then my mom would come bring me breakfast like around 6 a.m or 7 a.m she would bring me a sandwich and i ate in the car and it wasn't until 8 8 a.m that the gas station would open and that's when the cars would start moving and it wasn't until maybe 11 a.m or 12 p.m that i finally got my gas um that's how bad it was And, and it was just every day was just survival like my producer called me. I was in the middle of producing my album, and he was like, Patricia, I'm sorry. I can't work on your album anymore. I got to feed my kids. I got to figure out what to do with my life. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to close down the the, the studio. And, um, and that was that. So when he said that to me, I was like, okay, so if I stay in Puerto Rico, I just don't know. My life is just shook, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and I really, really wanted to finish the album. And I really, and I did not know when I was going to be able to start producing again in Puerto Rico. It might have taken a year, two years. So I felt like I might as well just move to the States and start over. Because it's going to take me a year or two to build a, a whole new network once again in the States. My God. Versus staying here. So I, um, the apartment where I lived in, um, it got really dangerous. Everybody was being, you know, there were burglars getting into houses. I was living by myself, so it was very mm-hmm. dangerous. I, di- I didn't have a generator. It was super dark. By the time 5 p.m. came down, like, I didn't know what to do. And I was, it was, it was scary to, to be by myself in the house. Um, and then one day my dad said, Patricia, we got to go. We just got to go. We can't be here, you know. Um, so my whole family packed up and 
cats and dogs and everything. And we were able to, uh, you know, our family from Philadelphia was able to gather up some money and bring us up. And we all stayed in my aunt's house and we were home. I was homeless for like a year or something, <laughs> trying to get gigs move around. I went to New York. I couldn't stay in Philadelphia because I just didn't see my future in Philadelphia. So I went to New York and I started sleeping in people's couches, you know, asking around for gigs. I wasn't able to get absolutely anything for like eight months. Um, and those whole eight months I was homeless, you know, just living from house to house and Nobody knew who I was, you know, I wasn't yeah. Patricia from Cultura Profetica yeah. in Puerto Rico, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't nobody once again, or, or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, it was very humbling, I was like, okay, okay, you know, I can do this again, I can do this again. <laughs> Damn, yo, you, you got some and, heart, but, man. <laughs> <laughs> yo, Damn. it was, I, I just, I think things happen for a reason. And I do believe that God wanted me to be in the States. And I'm, I think based on what happened, like that abusive relationship I was in and just being a fish out of water for so long, I think I was scared to go back to the States. But my dad had told me for a long time, like, you have to do something in the States. You can't just stay here on the island. The island is just going to give you so much. And uh, you just got to go for it. But I was too afraid to do it. Mm. So I strongly believe that God just like kicked me out of Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> so you like you just mentioned like, you know, you're in a, a, a abusive relationship, which is obviously horrendous. And then you go through Maria, which is not just personally horrendous, but to your, you know, where you're born, right? Like you, the things that you saw growing up are no longer there or not like the way they were. So your world has completely, you know, turned on its on its fucking head. And now, like you said, you already were in the States. You went back home. And now you were forced to go back to the States. I mean, it's just a kind of like really... If you think about it, like you said, from that lens, it's kind of like a, wow, like life is really pushing me here to like... <laughs> it's really testing me right now. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a great story. Obviously, those things are terrible that happen, right? But a great... The great moral, I think, those those incidents, right, and those events that happen, not just in your life, but a lot of people's lives, right, in Puerto Rico, and then obviously your personal relationship, is that through the yeah. most horrendous things, like you can you can make yeah. something out of that. Like you just, I mean, I, I obviously I did not know any of that those details. Of like you said, you you were homeless and all those things. So like for you to go through that and then find your way to you know, not obviously we haven't spoken about LA yet, but you know, find your way to LA. And doing what you're doing, I'm saying it's just very uh, commendable that you're able to like, you know, just persevere. Right? That's just pure perseverance like you said, and survival. It's not just like, oh, my music career is like, no, I'm trying to survive out here. Like, so that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, basically, right? Like, that's, that's fucking nuts. So how would you, uh -huh. when you first met New York Puerto Ricans <laughs> or oh Puerto Ricans God. in the States, how we describe the differences? Because I have like I have Puerto Ricans in my family. Like two of my sister in laws are Puerto Rican, so one of them was actually born in Puerto Rico in Ponce. Um, so how we describe New York Puerto Ricans and compare them to just Puerto Ricans? <laughs> De la Amazing. isla. <laughs> Amazing! They're so badass. <laughs> well, I, let me tell you something. They love Puerto Rico, man. Oh my god. They love, I feel like they love Puerto Rico more than Puerto Ricans. And I love Puerto Rico because they really appreciate it. They're away from it. Puerto Ricans in the island, we're fucking spoiled. I'm sorry, I just said. No, I, I curse all the time, so you could definitely curse. Oh, cool. Okay, we're fucking spoiled. We're spoiled. <laughs> We think it's we think it's normal. 
a guayaba tree in your backyard and a, and a, and a, and a, and, and a avocado tree. We think we think that's normal, you know. We we think. I mean, we just don't appreciate who we are, and 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 um, that comes with the low self esteem that we have as an island. But mm. when you leave, you see how how amazing we are as a people. How giving, how talented, how hardworking. I mean, the the things that we've survived, like the things that we have gone through, I don't think we realize who we are until we leave. I didn't realize who mm. I was until I left. And New Yorkans really do know who we are. I I, I, I met a lot of people uh, that helped me that were New Yorkans. Actually, New Yorkans were the ones who helped me most. When, when they would hear that I was displaced, they would you know, try to get me work or they would call me up and check, check in on me, even though they did, they had met me just once. Mm. I, I, a couple of people from the Bronx would just call me. Um, this man, William Acevedo gave me a job as a muralist. And I, and I did, I did a mural with some kids in a school and I taught them muralism, uh, a class, you know, wow. um, they would just really help me. Uh, what was interesting about New Yorkans is that when they meet somebody that knows how to speak Spanish and is from the island for some reason, a couple of people would do this. They would be like, yeah, I'm Puerto Rico. I'm from Puerto Rico, but you know, I don't speak Spanish. And they would like lower their heads and just like, as, as, as if they were ashamed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, please don't be ashamed. Like you are my brother, you're my sister. You are, you are just as Puerto Rican as I am. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Mm. I think, New Yorkans do have a, a feeling that they don't belong, but they love Puerto Rico, but they feel like they don't belong there uh, for some reason. Mm. I just want to, I want to change that perception because I don't see it that way. And it bothers me sometimes when some Puerto Ricans from the island kind of like bully Puerto Ricans in New York because they don't know, they don't know Spanish, mm. but I have to respect why that is. I have to respect that the first generations that came to the States had a very thick accent and they, they experienced racism and discrimination and they did not want that for their kids. Mm -hmm. So I have to respect that story because that's a very amazing survival story in my eyes, the way that that Puerto Ricans in New York, that's part of Puerto Rican history period. And it's a very, it's a very, it's a, it's a story of resilience and, and building a community, a very strong community that has a, that has given so much to American culture, but I have to respect that their struggle was not knowing English, and they didn't want that for their kids. So of course, these newer generations don't know Spanish because their parents wanted them to speak English. You know, yeah. but it's it's never too late to learn. That's that's all you gotta know. Is like you don't you tú no dejas de ser puertorriqueño. You don't stop being Puerto Rican because you don't know Spanish. Just pick it up whenever you're ready to. And don't yeah. be ashamed. It, it belongs to you. It's your language. You can you can claim it whenever you want, whenever you feel you're ready. So let's talk about yeah. that a little bit more about uh, Puerto Ricans. So what do you think are some misconceptions that people have about Puerto Ricans, about Boricuas? That we're lazy. Mm. That's that's a very common misconception that I do not agree on at all. Um, Puerto Ricans are very hardworking, very 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 and very humble. That's one of the misconceptions. It's funny. I, I think that because I haven't lived in the States for too long, I don't even know what those misconceptions are. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I, think, I think you need to tell me what, it is, what, it, what how, do people, how do people see Puerto Ricans? Because 
I, I really don't know. I mean, I you know, that's, that's know. so funny that you say that, right? Because I, like I said, I have Puerto Ricans in my family and I grew up around Puerto Ricans all the time. But again, but I, I feel like I almost could speak to that, but then can't. Because again, I didn't grow up like Puerto Ricans from Puerto Rico, right? I grew up with New Yorkans. Yeah. So that's a little bit different, you know? So, but the one thing I can say yeah. again, like, just growing up, I think like <laughs> you mentioned the whole thing about being proud of Puerto Rico. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen this meme, but they always talk about like Puerto Ricans, uh, like a Puerto Rican meme, and they show them like with the with the coqui, and then like with the Puerto Rican shirt, like with the holes in them and stuff, and like you know everything's just Puerto yeah. Rican or everything's all Puerto Rican out, you know? The Tim's all jeans, oh, yeah. <laughs> Puerto Rican hat, PR hat, you know? So like the very proud people, right? But there was oh, always, yeah. and I and I and I'll, I'll admit to this being, you know, Dominican, Dominicano, you know, like I always, I did as a, I say in my younger years, I'm 29, it's gonna be 30. Um, I definitely felt like there was definitely a tension that I didn't understand between Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. So I, I, I can only answer from like that aspect, right? Like the the whole bullshit DR versus PR thing, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Um, oh yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so like that's the one thing that I did, like I, I almost didn't understand growing up. And I'm like, wait, why is this? But, you know, I just bought into it. I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm the, so Dominicano, pura sepa, you know, and like Puerto Ricans, whatever, you know. But I never, like, had any resentment towards them. But I always did see us as being different. You know, as like, oh, Puerto Ricans don't speak Spanish. Oh, Puerto Ricans are, they're more blanquitos than most Dominicans, you know. So you always found, like, little things that, you know, <laughs> that, um, that to differentiate, right? And instead of looking at the things that are very similar, which are a lot of things, you know, and you talk about, oh, DR got, you know, Punta Cana, you know, what is Puerto Rico? You know, so stupid, stupid. I mean, talk about high school shit, right? Like, talk about like okay. high school shit, right? That people just get into like, you know, whether it's, you know, them actually having real arguments or just like, you know, just poking fun at people. You know what I'm saying? So um, those are the only things that I can speak to. <laughs> so I can't really speak intelligently, but I can say the one thing about, I think, Caribbean people, right? Because I could speak to living, obviously, growing up in the States. Um, like you said, the lazy part is definitely true. Um, uh-huh. People that just come to New York and they, they expect people to assimilate to them, but not them assimilate to New York. So it's very interesting you mentioned the whole Spanish thing, right? Like you said, like the racism they probably encountered when they moved into New York. And it's funny because my parents moved to New York in 1978, you know, straight from right. DR. And, like, yeah. they didn't know any English. And they never really did learn any English. Because they kind of, like, found, you know, una comunidad, you know, like a community where they, there were all a lot of other Latinos, you know, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, whatever the case may be. And they just had, they, there was no need in in those little communities, like, to, to really have to uh, pick up English. Like, my dad, for example, been living in the States and in New York for fucking 30 years now. And no sabe ni nada, ni papa. You know, he doesn't really know English like that, you know? <laughs> And my mom has picked up English, but through work, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh shit, I got, for this job, I gotta know English, you know? So I grew up speaking yes. English at home with my brothers because we went to school, you know, New York public school, speaking English, but all the time, like even to this day, I speak to my parents in Spanish. Like I, I'll sneak in like a, you know, an English phrasing with my mom and she understands what I'm saying, but we're mostly communicating in Spanish 90% of the time. <laughs> so it's just a very oh, interesting, right. yeah, it's such an interesting, like, how, how that breaks down right between because again maybe that is a misconception that a lot of Puerto Ricans don't know Spanish but it's probably a bunch of them New Yorkans that do know Spanish you know and we just think of, oh because of this stereotype this is true right or how like you know all Dominicans are I mean there's a lot of misconceptions about Dominicans but especially Dominican men but yeah. <laughs> you know like you know the womanizers or whatever the case may be all the you know all the patronal you know salami. I don't fucking know but you get what I'm saying <laughs> Like, the, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of misconceptions about Caribbean people 
in like those kinds of spaces. But I think with you is very interesting about you. It's not only like you have this dual culture, right? Like you're black and you're Puerto Rican, but you embrace both of them, number one. And you were like in between both of them a lot as well. And then with your, and I think the biggest thing I think that people should take away is whether they're a musician or not, there's something about each, in my in my opinion, my belief is there's something innate about each and every one of us that has to shine through in some kind of way. So whether that's through whether you do writing, whether you whatever it is you do, whatever your craft is, you yes. needs to shine through. So and you, and whatever your identity, whatever you identify is, that has to shine through as well. So you found obviously the one that we all can see, right? Like the the visual arts, performing arts, right? Like that's how mm-hmm. you were able to find yourself within that realm and then use all these experiences which, which you d- just discussed to to make mm-hmm. melogia right to, ma- to make who you are to make Pat- patricia right and to kind of yes. formulate and sculpt that right and and sculpt that so i think it is important for people like you know whether you're new yorkian or whether whatever the fuck you're from that yeah. that's that's that, that's it right there like i think your story resonates with me a lot because like i obviously everyone goes through struggles and you got to find, even yes. through those struggles, you got to find the reasoning for those struggles. And how can you learn right. from those struggles? And how do I sculpt a new me? How do I harden this part, you know, and, and shape that part that look kind of iffy at first and make that shit strong as hell? You know, make that my foundation. So I think it's a very, um, it's very cool to hear your story, honestly. <laughs> like, I didn't know, I didn't really know where this, where this, again, I didn't. Una conversación, you know. I didn't know where it was gonna go. Where are we gonna talk uh-huh. about, you know, kind of thing. But um, I will, I will want, I do want to discuss this part again because you did live in Puerto Rico. So, in, in your opinion, did you yes. do do you currently live abroad in the United States? Because obviously, as we all know, Puerto Rico is a part of the U.S. Technically speaking, but do you feel like you're living abroad, as my podcast is called, oh, right, in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I live abroad. <laughs> Why? Explícame, por favor. Because we're an ocean. We're an island surrounded by ocean. You know, like Trump said, <laughs> right. we are just an island far, far away, surrounded by ocean. And it's it's just even though Puerto Rico is part of the United States, any anybody who goes to Puerto Rico, any American that goes to Puerto Rico will feel like a fish out of water. It will not feel like Florida. It will not feel like New York. <laughs> like any other state, you will feel like you are in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, with other customs, with other body language. Like there are things that Americans do that Puerto Ricans consider to be rude, you know. Tell us, uh, please. I would love to be enlightened. me, please. I don't know of any. <laughs> like, like, okay, so in New York, I noticed that nobody says good morning, good afternoon. If you walk into an elevator, you have to say good morning how are you like you have to acknowledge people mm-hmm. Puerto Rico that's a, that's the a thing you just you have to acknowledge the people that are surrounding you Puerto Ricans respect humility that's mm-hmm. just something that's going to get you ahead in Puerto Rican society if you show if you if, like that gives you power i believe when you show people that you're humble and that you know how to acknowledge and recognize and say hi look at people in the eye you know that it's very different, and in New York, it's kind of the opposite. It's just like you're you're yeah. in your lane, I'm in my lane. Uh, you have to say in Puerto Rico, you have to say buen provecho, like enjoy your meal. Uh-huh. When when you see people that are eating, you have to say that, even though you don't know people. You if you walk in, you uh-huh. will notice that if you walk into a restaurant, a complete stranger will see you about to take a, a bite, 
Oh and my they will God. Say, I learned that here. Oh my God. That's so crazy just saying that because I grew up never saying that. Like, uno va a comer, cenar, do oración, and then you eat. I never, growing up, said buen provecho to anybody. But when I got here to Costa Rica, everybody's yeah. saying that every moment. I'm like, yo, like, first of all, who are you? And second of all, like, can I eat in peace, please? <laughs> but now I do that now too. Like, I'm there, like, I'd be walking through, like, in my school where I work at international school. Like, it'd be somebody that I'd never seen in my life. And I'd buen provecho. And they're like, gracias. Like, mama, gracias, gracias. Or like they do like, you know, the head nod, you know, like, oh, thank you for acknowledging me and my food. Hopefully that I enjoy what I'm about to devour right now. So just I, that's something that I learned now. So it's so crazy. That that's something yeah. that was embedded in you growing up. Yeah, ahora, pero aprendí ahora, pero. Yeah, people will look at me weird when I would say those things in New York. They were like, what the fuck? Who the fuck are you? And I'm just like, oh, sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> to new york after hurricane maria you know because yeah. you want to you reach out to people and people are just like get the fuck away from me <laughs> yeah wow wow that um but yeah it's, it's those kind of little things that really differentiate puerto rico from the states and you you will feel it you'll feel like you're in another country and you have to adapt so of course if you leave puerto rico and you come to the states and you've never lived in the states before thank goodness yeah. i was i already knew i was I, I my dad's from philadelphia thank goodness i went to berkeley i was able to adapt way better after hurricane maria than a lot of my friends that were displaced at the same time i was like mm. i have a lot of friends that are still struggling to this day to get a job Jesus. because they don't speak good English or, you know, like, cause they just can't get used to the culture. Mm -hmm. I still have friends who ha are homeless to this day since Hurricane Maria. They're yeah. still, they're still trying to figure it out. Like they, and they, they, it's been hard for them to adapt to this American culture because they never lived abroad. So mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. You feel like you live abroad. I'm glad you said that because that, and that's honestly what I wanted to interview as well, because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, um, obviously my podcast is about living abroad. I'm like, wait a minute. But she's living abroad in the U.S. And she was born in Puerto Rico. And I know they're technically apart, but I know that I'm sure you would agree with this, that Puerto Ricans are treated like second-class citizens by, you yeah. know, America. I mean, you can't even fucking vote, right? So, I mean, it, it's it's a thing that I think for whoever's listening to this for the first time doesn't know much about Puerto Rico. Now they should know a lot more. Um, is like, yes. you know, even though it's technically a part of it, does not mean that it's treated on the same footing, you know? And hence why those fights for statehood or whatever the case may be. And that's my next point. So you can answer this or not. That's up to you. But where do you stand on the statehood independence? What? Or stay as it is. Where do you stand on that? Where do I stand right now? It doesn't really matter. That's where, I, that's where I stand. Puerto Rico has been divided for so long that we have not been able to come together and just do something positive, all of us together for Puerto Rico, because we've, we're so obsessed with the idea of statehood and independence. And to believe that statehood is going to give us results um, that are better than independence or that independence is going to give us results that's better than statehood, it really doesn't matter. The fact is that there's a lot of things that Puerto Rico and the government could do for themselves, even in the status that we are now to make things better. And they have not done it. Mm. And I'm already over it. Like my whole life I've been in these arguments about Puerto Rico being a state or not being a state. Frankly, Puerto Rico is on a lot of Puerto Ricans that want to become a state believe because most of them have not lived abroad. They don't know. They have not felt racism before. Not, not the way you feel it here. Um, you know, they, they don't understand that, 
being a second class citizen has nothing to do with being a state or not being a state. There are people within the United States that are being treated as second class citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it makes no difference. Hawaii is a state, and they're still being treated as a sec- second class citizens. Hawaiians are sleeping on the street. Yeah. Most native Hawaiians are homeless. They're they're really really struggling. They have completely taken over the island and it's become a tourism spot and now only rich people can afford to live there and the people who are actually native they've been displaced they you know so mm-hmm. that really does not make a difference you know if we become a state it could possibly make it worse mm-hmm. because now if we become a state they have every reason every and and they have every freedom to just come in and to do whatever they want to do yes we'll get more benefits than being a commonwealth, um, but it's there, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. You know, it's a double-edged sword. Being independent, a lot of Puerto Ricans believe that we could do more if we become independent. That is true. I will say I'm a little bit afraid about the government not being monitored by the federal government. We have a corrupt government. We know that. And what has kept the government kind of sort of within the lines of not of not overstepping the lines is is that they are under a federal government. I'm a little bit unless we have leaders that I trust. What would happen to Puerto Rico if it, we were completely separated from the United States with the government that we have now? Hmm. It's already I it's already kind of sort of a dictatorship what we have now. Like they have. The same families, the same people I've been seeing since I'm little. They're not allowing new young politicians to come in to bring in new policies. They are the same family. Mm. So it sounds very familiar to other countries that have dictatorships. You know? Yeah. And the and the only thing that was that that the only reason why we were able to put them in their place was because they were stealing money from the federal government when they sent it to to Puerto Rico for uh, Hurricane Maria. And that's when everything was exposed, you know? Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. I really don't know how to answer that question of what's better. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe that right now it doesn't really matter. We can already do a lot of things with what we have now. That's real. So, that's real. I appreciate the honesty there. And on a more positive yeah. note or a more <laughs> lighthearted mm-hmm. note to, to close this uh, conversation, lovely conversation that I've had with you um yes for people i mean a lot of you obviously have visited puerto rico right it's, obviously it's easy you don't need a passport right to visit but for those that maybe have visited or have not visited what is something about puerto rico in its essence that you want to come across right now and i'll just give you the floor man i would say oh man go go to the country meet the people don't stay don't stay in in the beach having a piña colada in a comfort zone if you really want to experience puerto rico you got to experience the people and how happy they are and how giving they are and how fun they are go dance salsa somewhere in a really like local place that nobody knows about and just get to know people and there's something about puerto rico that's very healing when i have friends that would visit me to puerto rico i would take them to the forest or to the river and they would just always say thank you and tell me that they they would just have a very spiritual experience in Puerto Rico. That's just, they just they would always leave with a lesson, you know, about life and about themselves. And it's just you just gotta let 
Puerto Rico do its work on you. It's just a very, very magical place. That's why it's called the Island of Enchantment. It really is enchanted. you enjoyed that episode with Melogia um just a lot of golden nuggets there right talking about her experience in Puerto Rico and compare that to living abroad which I do think she's living abroad right I agree with her those of you might think oh no you know it's a part of the U.S. but I think in hearing her statements and hearing what it's like for her being a fish out of water and for even others that had a hard time acclimating to the U.S. it's pretty apparent that living in the U.S. if you're from Puerto Rico is like living abroad. It's like living in another country. So I'm glad that she said that. And that's why it was important for me to get this episode in. So yeah, thank you, Melogia. Also, it was awesome just to speak to someone that I've seen in concert and just took a picture of her. Little did I know, three years later, I will be interviewing her. Life is pretty cool that way, you know? And that she performed with one of my favorite bands ever. So yeah, it's really, really awesome. Especially so you check out her music on at Melogia Music. At, on Instagram she's really dope really really great uh, performer but yeah next week I'm gonna have Alexandra who is the founder of Travel Latina a website and Instagram page dedicated to Latinx travel abroad and that's gonna be a great one I can't wait for that conversation as a fellow Latino myself so that should be a lot of fun so yeah if you like what you heard please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts Follow me on Spotify and any other of your favorite streaming platforms. See you next week. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.